Good morning, church. I love you, and I am so incredibly thankful for you. And I love this time of year, don't you? I love the emphasis on peace and hope and joy. I love the emphasis on Jesus. I mean, think about it for a second. In our increasingly secular world, this time of year, you can hear people outside of the walls of a church building singing about King Jesus. That's pretty special, isn't it? It's pretty amazing. And sometimes I don't know that we stop and we really think about it. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. But I want to confess to you that sometimes I don't live in the joy of Jesus' reign. There are days when I don't live in the joy of Jesus' reign. I let things steal my joy. How about you? Do you live daily? Do you live daily in the joy of Jesus' reign? Even this time of year where there's constant reminders everywhere we look, if we just look, there's reminders of Jesus' reign, even during this time of year, and for some of us especially during this time of year, we have a hard time living in joy. And I don't mean, when I say that, I don't want you to think I mean don't be sad. I asked Malachi this week, I said, what do you think the opposite of joy is? And he said what I expected him to say, and I think he said what most of us would say, and the opposite of joy would be sadness. But I don't think that's true. Joy and sadness are not mutually exclusive. You can be joyful and sad at the same time. You can experience joy and sadness at the same time. Simultaneously, you can be joyful and incredibly sad. Most of us have probably experienced that, haven't we? Where we've had moments, in fact, we say things like, it is a bitter, sweet moment. It's bitter and it's sweet. We're sad and at the same time, we are joyful. What you cannot be simultaneously is joyful and in despair. You cannot have joy and despair at the same time. But I'm afraid sometimes we do despair. Don't we? We allow worry and discouragement and despair to rob us of living in the joy of Jesus' reign. So here's here's a thought I was thinking about. See if you you agree with this. Your joy is determined, at least in part, joy is determined in part by your answer to this question. Who do you answer to? And yes, I I realize I ended my question with a preposition, but you you can correct me later. But who do you answer to? Who do you answer to? Think about that for a second. And think about how that answer to that question affects joy and whether or not you live in the joy of Jesus' reign. Some of us answer to everybody. 
We, we live in a culture where if we don't like what somebody does, we can publicly shame them. Social media has given us the power to publicly shame anybody we don't like or anybody that does something we don't agree with. And so we live in our culture and many of us individually live in constant fear of saying or doing something that other people will judge as being wrong or something they don't like. But even on a micro scale, we, we live in constant fear of being judged by each other, don't we? Constant fear of being rejected by someone else. So much so that we allow that to determine so many things that we do. The car we buy. We allow other people's judgment of us to determine what car we drive, or what house we live in, or what clothes we wear, or how we talk, or what movies we watch, or what music we listen to. We allow the judgment of other people to determine so many of our actions. And because we answer to everybody, or maybe we answer to some specific people, we live in constant fear of their judgment. Because sometimes we don't know how they're going to judge us. They're, they're going to judge us positively or negatively. And so because we answer to them and because we answer to their whims, our joy is dependent on their opinions and their thoughts and their judgments. And other people say, well, I don't answer to anybody but myself. I just answer to me. I answer to myself. I determine what I want to do and what I want to wear and how I... That's even worse sometimes, isn't it? To answer to ourselves. We live as slaves to our own ambitions and goals. We set these incredibly high standards for ourselves. And we often don't live up to them. And even when we do live up to them, then we're either filled with pride or we're afraid, maybe I didn't set the bar high enough, and so we continue to chase these dreams and goals and ambitions, and we are a slave to our own ambitions and goals. And all of these things, whether you're answering to your mother or you're answering to your neighbor or you're answering to your boss or you're answering to culture or you're answering to yourself, you're allowing, you're allowing that submission to those judgments to rob you of the joy of living in the reign of Jesus our series this month has been all about this idea of Jesus being the Son of Man, the one that Daniel foresaw, that this human being who was something more than a human being, this divine human being who is both fully God and fully man, elevated to a heavenly status where all peoples and nations worship and serve him, that we are living in that era we are living in the era that Daniel hoped for and foresaw. We are living in the era that all of God's people leading up to Jesus hoped for and anticipated. We are living in that age, in the reign of Jesus. And there should be hope and peace and joy 
that goes along with living in this era. And part of that has to do with Jesus being the one to judge. So if you got your Bible, John chapter 5 is where we're going to be. John chapter 5. Now in the context, Jesus has healed a man on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees didn't like that very much, and so they were criticizing him. And then Jesus is even making himself equal with God, and they liked that even less. So John chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. We've talked about this passage before, but Jesus is saying that his work, in fact, everything that Jesus does is a reflection of the father's work. Everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus says, everything that Jesus does is a reflection of the Father. That's John's main point in this entire gospel account. You want to see the Father? Do you want to see God? Do you want to know what God is like? Then look at Jesus. Jesus is the truth about God, and he is the way to God. He is fully human, but he is the fullness of God in bodily form. (laughs) And if you want to know what the Father is like, look at Jesus. And Jesus is saying, God heals people on the Sabbath. God takes care of you on the Sabbath. And so the Son is taking care of you, even on the Sabbath. Because my work is a reflection of God's work. Jesus isn't some rogue individual who's just decided and taken it upon himself. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to heal when I want to heal. I'm going to live how I want to live. Jesus isn't a rogue individual. He is the one. (laughs) He is the one who God the Father is partnered together with to change the world. He is the one who is coming into the world. He is the one who is bringing healing and bringing life and light to the world. Look at verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And when I read this, even though Jesus is talking about being the Son of God, in a second he'll talk about being the Son of Man, I can't help but think about Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7. Think again about these words. I'm just going to read it, but listen. Here's what Daniel saw. He said, I saw in the night visions... And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him, right? He's lifted up on the clouds, and he's presented before the ancient of days, before the Father. And to this son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Doesn't that sound exactly what Jesus is saying? Like what Jesus is saying here? He's saying all authority has been given to me. The father judges no one. All judgment is given to the son so that however they honored the father and worshiped the father and served the father, they might give that honor to the son and anyone who doesn't honor the son doesn't honor the father 
who sent him. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, that's a good word, isn't it? Has what? Eternal life. Not will have eternal life. Do you see what Jesus said? He said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Upon what basis? Believing in Jesus. Putting your trust in Jesus. Giving your allegiance to Jesus. Honoring Jesus as the one whom the Father has sent. And Jesus says, if you trust in me and you believe in me, you put your hope in me, you honor me the way you honor the Father, then you already have eternal life. You do not pass in, come into judgment, but you've passed from death into life. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, now, does Jesus mean like dead, like dead, dead? Or like dead as a metaphor and, and saying the, the people that are in sin, when they hear his voice, they will live? Or does he mean like dead bodies will come out of the tombs? Remember what we said last week when we we're reading John and we asked a question like that? What's the answer usually? Yes, it's both, isn't it? Yes. He has the power and the authority to make you live now. As Paul would say, before Jesus, you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. But now in Christ Jesus, you are alive. You have life eternal now. You do not come into judgment, but you've passed from death into life. But Jesus also means that he has the authority to raise up the dead so that even though you will literally, physically, bodily die, Jesus will bring you back to life. Look at verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Now, I know when, when the scripture reading, Lance read the scripture reading for us this morning and I was thinking, this is the week of Christmas and we're talking about joy and happiness and, and then we read a, a passage about judgment. How is that positive or happy or joyful or hopeful? But listen to the context of what Jesus is saying. Don't you want Jesus to be the one to judge you? The one who says, if you trust in me and you believe in me and you honor me and you follow me, then you don't come into judgment. You've passed from death into life. It is a joyful thing to say, I answer to Jesus. Jesus judges me. The Father has given him the judgment. And in his judgment, he has set me free. In his judgment, he has already given me life. Isn't that good news? Isn't that 
Doesn't that fill us with joy to know it's Jesus who has the judgment? Verse 28, don't marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Wait a second, hold on, time out, Jesus. Didn't you say that the judgment was based on whether or not we believed in you? Didn't, didn't you say that if, if we believe in you and we trust in you, then we've passed, we've come through judgment, we've passed from death to life, we already have eternal life. Now all of a sudden you're saying it's going to be a judgment based on our deeds? Well, which is it? The answer is yes, it's both. Well, why? Because your actions, my actions, our actions are a reflection of who we answer to. Aren't they? Your actions reflect who you answer to. If you, in your mind, submit to the judgment of the world, and you give that authority to judge you and condemn you, to the world, and you live in constant fear of the world's judgment, then your actions will reflect who you answer to, right? You will do what the world says is good. You will avoid what the world says is bad. You will dress how the world tells you to dress and watch what the world tells you to watch and live where the world tells you to live and drive what the world tells you to drive because you submit to their judgment and you'll live in constant fear that they might reject you or shame you or not like you. The same is true when you submit to your own judgment. When you submit to your own judgment and you answer to yourself, you will live in constant fear of disappointing yourself and not living up to your own standards. You will do what you think is good, and you'll avoid what you think is bad. Your actions are a reflection of who you answer to. If you answer to your family, your actions will reflect that. If you answer to your community, your actions will reflect that. If you answer to yourself, your actions will reflect that. But the same is true here. If you answer to Jesus and you submit to his judgment, then your actions will reflect that. And especially in the Gospel of John, what is it that Jesus says is going to be the reflection of whether or not you answer to him? How will people know that you are his disciples? By the love you have for one another. Your actions reflect who you answer to. And on the day of judgment, when the Son of Man calls us up from the grave, and we are quite literally resurrected, those of us who answer to Jesus and whose lives reflect the fact that we answer to Jesus, that we already have, Do we understand the peace that comes with that? With the the joy that comes with that? The hope that comes with that? By saying, I answer to Jesus. Look at verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is what? Just. My judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
Jesus' judgment is just. It's fair. It's right. And guess what? Mine's not. My judgment is not just. My judgment is not fair. I'm biased. I will always lean towards me, right? And whatever I want at the moment. I will judge myself too harshly or I will judge myself too leniently. And so will you. Your judgment isn't just, is it? Not when you judge yourself, not when you judge your neighbor. Your judgment isn't just. Your mama's judgment isn't just. Your neighbor's judgment isn't just. The world's judgment isn't just. Your judgment isn't just. My judgment isn't just. Thank God that we have Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who is the judge. And we can say, I answer to Jesus. I answer to Jesus. And he says that when I submit to him and I believe in him and I hope in him and I follow him and I obey him and I love as he loves, then I don't come into judgment but have already passed from death into life. Real joy comes when we decide, I answer to Jesus. Doesn't it? Say, thank you, God, that Jesus judges me. I don't, I don't have to worry. Sure, we all want to make people happy. We don't want people not to like us. We want to get along with people, don't we? But I don't have to live in constant fear that you might reject me. I don't have to live my life in constant fear that someone else might judge me. I don't even have to live my life in constant fear that I won't live up to my own standards. I could say I answer to Jesus because all judgment has been given to him. And not only does real joy come from that, real peace comes from that. Can you imagine the kind of family peace and the kind of world peace we could experience if we pointed our and our neighbors' minds and hearts to Jesus? Can you imagine the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control that comes when we say, I answer to Jesus? So here's our moment of truth question. What changes could you make, should you make in your life so that you ensure that you live every day in the joy of Jesus' reign? What, what changes, like tangible, real, practical changes could you make in your life to remind yourself, I answer to Jesus, his standard of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? I answer to Jesus. I love my neighbor, but my neighbor is not my judge. I love my brothers and sisters, but my brothers and sisters are not my judge. They can hold me accountable, and they can encourage me, they can put me back on track when I, when I go astray, but I don't answer to them. I don't even answer to myself. I answer to Jesus. So what changes could you make in your life? Maybe, maybe it's turning the TV off a little bit more. Maybe it's turning social media off a little bit more. Maybe it's eliminating some things in your life. Maybe it's adding things to your life. Maybe it's more worship. 
more praise, more prayer, more Bible study, more fellowship with your brothers and sisters to remind ourselves Jesus reigns. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth, let us receive our King. Let's live daily in the joy of Jesus' reign. Let's eliminate the things in our lives that are distracting us from the joy of Jesus' reign. And let's put constant reminders in our path, in our way, in our life to remind us Jesus reigns. And that changes everything. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're not yet a citizen of the kingdom of God. You haven't yet been brought into the joy of Jesus' kingdom by dying to yourself and being buried with Jesus in baptism to be recreated and resurrected and renewed, to walk in a new way of of living, a new joy and a new peace and a new patience and a new kindness, a new love, and you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism, or maybe you just need to recommit your life to Jesus and to living under his reign. Our elders, our shepherds would love to pray with you after service, or right now you have this opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.